I wouldn't lie, in the first five years of Lucerne, I probably felt like I was burnt out because I was literally doing everything. And I took a step back and said, hey, we need to reorganize the company. And we need to reorganize it in a way where I delegate a lot of responsibilities. From Caribbean Ideas Synapse in Trinidad and Tobago, this is Uptick, a podcast that's part of the Snapshot Podcast Network. Uptick is a show that brings you the stories of the Caribbean entrepreneurs and innovators who are building the next generation of great companies. These are the stories you don't typically hear of how these leaders are working to build brands and businesses that have the potential to not only improve the Caribbean world, but also help the Caribbean world make an impact on the global business stage. Their stories will move you, inspire you, push you to take action, or maybe help spark your next great idea. I'm Chike Farrell, co-founder of Caribbean Ideas and your host for today's show. In today's broadcast, you'll meet Ramon Gregorio, founder and managing director of Lucent Research, and you'll learn how growing up in culturally diverse Curep in eastern Trinidad and Tobago, plus a relentless curiosity, led him to build one of the region's leading market research companies. Today's episode is brought to you by Republic Bank Limited, who are committed to helping Caribbean, small and medium-sized enterprises succeed on their path to business success. Check out Republic Bank SME Toolkit at republicsmetoolkit.com for founder stories, helpful content, and much more. If you've been a student, whether in high school, university, or grad school, you'll know that there are just some subjects that are sore points for pretty much everybody. In fact, since we're spending time today with a market research expert, if we had him run a survey to determine which classes are those ones that people most love to hate, it's a pretty good bet that research, statistics, and their close cousin mathematics will be near the top of the list. But in the modern business world, it's impossible to deny the value of information. And that means that market research can help leaders really understand their customers. And when you understand your customers, it can be super powerful. Now think about it. There's a lot of thought, hard work, and skill that goes into not just producing meaningful research, but extracting the right insights from that research. Usually, the people who are most passionate about the market research field are just generally always interested in the question why. They're the ones with those super inquisitive minds. It's no wonder that because of his inquisitiveness, Ramon ended up where he is today, leading one of the most progressive research agencies working with major brands and businesses all around the Caribbean. Today, you learn how his curiosity and quest for learning led him to jump from working at an accounting company to building Lucent Research and establishing the company as a major leader in its field. You'll also learn why now, 13 years after it was founded, they've not just become a leader, but now Ramon is super passionate about changing the way that research is perceived and making research cool. You'll also hear how it's super important to him to own his own space and to change the dynamic of what people think about and how they perceive a research-oriented company. Finally, you'll hear how much credit for his business success he gives to his humble upbringing in the culturally diverse double central of Curep Trinidad and why it's his dream to grow Lucent to the point where he can switch to agriculture and farming the land. Started off in 1977 in Curep. 
I've always been a very patriotic Curep citizen. Curep has been a seminal place in my development in terms of even how I run my business now. And Curep in the 80s, early 90s, was a place where you grew up around Muslims, Hindus, Catholics, Baptists. My grandmother was Baptist. And I went to an Anglican primary school because how Curep operated if you went the day before and the Catholic school couldn't take you, the Anglican school say, yeah, come here. So I always grew up in an environment of understanding people and understanding backgrounds and understanding cultures. As I grew older, I went to the St. Mary's and interacted with other different types of personalities. It started to shape who I wanted to be um, in the long term. What I would say is that Lucent was nowhere in the picture in my formative years. As a matter of fact, I wanted to be a lawyer and a doctor just like the, 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 the trodden part, like a lot of my other friends. But as I got older, there was a passion for listening to people. There's a passion to finding out more. And answering that, that mystical question, why? So I, I would be, I'll be the one in the room who will keep asking the question, why? And having gone away to study and came back, I worked in the market research environment for a small time. I got the answers to the whys in that environment. So when I returned to Trinidad in 2002, I believe, the next obvious step was Lucent. So what started to happen was that I started to develop the framework for what my organization would be. And played around with a few names and then eventually ended up at Lucent, which happened to be a failed technology company in the US at the time. But thankfully, I had the rights to use the name in Trinidad and Tobago. It didn't have any impacts in terms of using it in Trinidad. And the whole concept of Lucent was really about shining light on issues, shining light on, on, on organizational issues that persons encountered, um, and helping them work through that difficulties. So the whole concept of Lucent, even our tagline, understanding people in decisions, started from my formative years in Europe of really wanting to understand people of different backgrounds, different um, personalities, different mindsets, and really crafting that into a mechanism for people to get insight. Right. So, you know, I think one of the things that I hear a lot when, you know, I talk to, you know, people who are starting out or they ask me as an entrepreneur, they're curious how you got the idea, mm -hmm. right? Like, what did you see, um, you know, and how did you kind of realize like there was a real opportunity here? Well, there were other market research organizations that have come before me. Some of them have been in existence 25 plus years. And I paid a lot of respect to them in terms of what they had done and what they had achieved because market research in the Caribbean as a whole was largely underdeveloped. So we knew about the central statistical office here. So they would do their random household studies and surveys and whatnot. But right. beyond that, if you weren't a client, you didn't know about the market facts and opinions and the Caribbean market research, who were the, who were the forebearers of, of the market research fraternity. And then... When I came back, my particular skill set was in actually in qualitative research, which is focus groups, um, because I had trained and had practiced in it for quite a few years. And I felt that when I talked to a few clients in corporate, because in my, when I wore a former hat as a, a, a regional manager for an auditing firm, I realized that a lot of clients didn't have data and a lot of them were asking the questions why. So when persons started to ask me why in that former capacity, I'm saying, but hold on. There's a market for this thing here. Obviously, they're not getting the whys that they wanted at that point in time. So when I first started Lucent, it was really a qualitative research house. And over time, within the first two years, we had grown very quickly and morphed into a full-service research company. So 2007 was our incorporation. But in two, by 2009, 2010, we had become full-service, offering every single thing under the sun. So I think it's really paying homage to the guys that came before and paying homage to what they have done. But trying to carry the industry to the next level. That's our challenge now. So I want to go, you know, you talked about growing up in QREP and, you know, um, the community around you. I mean, I, I'm curious about early influences sure. in your life. Do you think played a role in, 
you becoming, you know, an entrepreneur or, or, or even just kind of, you know, becoming a leader? Sure. Well, I'll say the, the most obvious influence has been my mother. Um, I grew up in a single parent household and she really showed us the tenets of hard work and independence and really striving and working hard for what you want. How many, how many siblings? Do you have? One of the siblings right. and I grew up with extended family. So I grew up with my cousins who grew up like a sister, right. a, a next cousin who grew up like a brother. And it was a, it's a, it's a, it's a really a good melting pot mm-hmm. of, of how families existed in that. In right. Kirep. Kirep, right. That's exactly, that's in typical Kirep family. Right. So we had a sense of independence and I really focused streak from very early. So um, my mother will always tell stories, uh, even as we are older now, that when she came home from work, my homework was done. Um, I already was lined up already, ready for the next day. I was always well prepared. And that became something that kind of transformed me and always stuck with me as I, as I grew older. One of the bigger influences for me, and you know him, Mr. Balwan mm-hmm. in St. Mary's, who was essentially like a father figure to me in St. Mary's. And really sort of kind of honed in terms of how I analyze stuff. And he worked quite closely with me, obviously, taught economics. So I, I, I understood how he wanted us to think. And I tried to apply that. And what I had the dual benefit of him being in my life is that he was the cricket manager. I played cricket also. So I spent a lot of contact hours talking, um, arguing, analyzing. But what it did there for me was formed a, a, a mindset that, made me hypercritical at some levels but also very understanding to the human needs um so that combination of my mother uh, my, my 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 teacher my mentor of sorts and then my community in Kira, um the diversity right that diversity element is a huge 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 factor that even today we see how critical it is and even when i talk to my children i try to influence them in terms of Talking to persons of different sexualities, for example. Talking to persons of different persuasions, persons of different races. Yeah. And understanding that that's a critical role as an as a entrepreneur because you meet so many different personalities. And the quicker you interact, the quicker you're able to adapt to some of their, their nuances, the better business will be for you. Yeah, and so it's, I've learned that at a very early age. Yeah, and it's funny that you, you mention people at different stages of your life. As, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, uh, Mr. Balwan, shout out to Rudy Balwan. Shout out to um, Rudy. <laughs> uh, from St. Mary's College, because he was a big influence for me as well. I actually mentioned him in an interview that I did yesterday. And, you know, these different people kind of along the way can really kind of help shape your journey. But then, you know, you eventually go along and then you, you know, then you're, you're more established and so on. So, so do you still have mentors now at this stage or are you kind of having to, you know, chart the path a little bit more on your own? That's a very good question. Um, mentors, I, w- I would say, no, not necessarily mentors, but I take certain elements from different personalities right. um, that I try to adapt. So for example, I'm fascinated by Marshall Montano's work ethic. Mm-hmm. So I tend to, try to mirror that in terms of how I do Lusa, how I run Lusant, in terms of always that high energy, always very passionate about what you're doing. Um, so I take that element of him. Um, I also say like Brian Lara, of course, being a cricket person, um, his his tenacity, his, yes, again, so the guys who have the real strong work ethics and um, you talk about the mama mentality just recently and they keep hearing a lot about that. Um, Kobe wasn't my favorite basketballer, but when I heard all these stories, now I'm trying to chase down some of his material and take a, to take a look at it yeah. because it sort of espouses the type of entrepreneur I want to be and the type of influence that I want to be to my to the people who work with me. Right. So it's not really having mentors per se, but really taking the best of some of the people around 
and trying to mold my version of it. So Lucent Research, you founded in... 2007. 2007. 13 right. years this so year. 13 years around, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. So, so, so congrats on on, on that. Um, so that's, that's, that's a lot. That's a long time. That's, that's a long that's, time. That's, that's good to, to cross that 10-year 10 10 year mark. What have you failed at mm-hmm. in that, along that journey? And, you know, what do you take away from that? Well... I don't really call things failings. What I'll call it is I have a learning. So mm-hmm. like, for example, at the height of when we just started and Lucent was starting to become a household name. Right. It took on a lot more sometimes than you could have handled. And to the client, we would not have failed because we delivered. But to me, on a personal level, you had to really stretch personalities. Yeah. You had to look for resources that sometimes didn't exist. You had to look for, and that's both physical and monetary. So sometimes it became a bit of a challenge, of a, a bit of a balancing act. And I wouldn't lie, in the first five years of Lucent, I probably felt like I was burnt out because I was literally doing everything. I took a step back and said, hey, we need to reorganize the company. I really reorganize it in a way where I delegate a lot of responsibilities. So... What I was not very good at at the beginning was delegation because obviously you've created this baby. Your baby is growing now and you have to kind of carry her and carry him or her through the next five years. And I really wasn't really ready to, to relinquish that. But as I got older and I realized, hey, I said I have a family of my own. My responsibilities got pulled into my different direction. So I would say I was very poor on man management in that first part, and irrespective of my cricket background. But over time, I learned to delegate. Over time, um, we devolved the process. Over time, what started to happen was that I, 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 have, I came to accept that I could do it all on my own. When we come back, Ramon talks about his company culture and how his company is making research fun. Before we continue, we want to take a quick moment to say thanks to our sponsor, Republic Bank Limited, for making this episode possible. Now, as a busy entrepreneur, juggling so many tasks to ensure your business runs smoothly can be really tiring and time-consuming. Republic Bank's digital business solutions make it easy to stay on top of your tasks and still find time for the things that are important. Their digital business solutions include products like online banking, Republic ACH, the payment management platform, ePay, and other e-commerce solutions designed to facilitate online payments. They've also got great business credit cards if you want to be able to do and execute on things faster. Make the right choice for yourself and your business with Republic Bank's digital solutions. So today we've been talking with Ramon Gregorio, founder and managing director of Lucent Research, a full-service market research agency that works with brands and businesses across the Caribbean. There's a framework that um, we've kind of followed as as entrepreneurs called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, and right. um, you know I came across that at a conference at the Inbound Conference by HubSpot and. One of the tenets of that is, you know, delegate and elevate, right? right? And so it's interesting you say that because the way to scale yourself is you have to be able to go beyond you right. Right, as the leader. So what are some of the ways that you have specifically figured out how to do that more? Well, I've, the team that I currently have is a very skilled team. So what we tend to do is that I would send them to the, some of the latest training courses. Right. As I mentioned, not necessarily research-related alone but probably similar to um, very, very close to the environments that we work in, or even sometimes totally have nothing to do with what we do. I'll sort of expose them to that and also bring in personnel who I feel could add value. So people who have traveled that journey before. 
So I don't like to always hear from Ramon alone. I like it to be from a cross-section of different professionals so that they don't feel that it's just one voice that they're hearing and it's almost like monotonous after a point in time. They hear different um, professionals and realize, hey, it's a bigger world out there than Lucent. So we try to bring in persons who could speak to them on a professional level, but also on a personal development level. So what you find is that if somebody has to leave Lucent, and I don't want anybody to leave my company, but if they have to leave, yeah. they leave better. Right. And they exactly. can contribute in a, in a real tangible way anywhere else that they go. That's, that's our mantra. So, so. You, so I know you're, you're telling me that you, uh, you know, focused on more things around like mindfulness. You Correct. have like yoga and, mm-hmm. you know, what, yeah, so, so, so tell me more about that. Like why, why, um, why has that become, you know, such a big part you know, not just, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to develop you professionally, but I'm going to introduce you to, to, to things like this around mindfulness. Well, I think if I had that sort of instruction when I was going through my process, it would have helped. As an entrepreneur, you'd imagine that in the first few years, you have many more stressful days and all these happy days and people sometimes think entrepreneurial activity to be. What I would say is that I saw, I learned from that experience from my own self and I always said if I had to lead a group of people, I would want to have a good work-life balance. And so it really stems from that. So one of the things we do is that we try to have karaoke Fridays. Um, we went to the Aripo right. estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went up there and we had a day all by the pool. And who was we played cricket, we played football, and we, we cooked. And So we do those types of things. And then this year, we're doing the yoga. And then we're going to do zip lining. So we try to get away from... Um, the stresses because our environment is an extremely stressful one. Um, as you know, people are shouting at you every five minutes, you need this now for today, for tomorrow. And that pressure to deliver, um, I've seen where it has affected our team in the yeah, past. Yeah, and yeah. and if I want to go back to that space thing, where, yeah. where 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 it it, it it could break down. And then all of a sudden we have a big different challenge because if you're not healthy you can't work and I don't want I don't want to be responsible for somebody's health in that in that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I try to support where we can. You talk about Dealing with customers, that's probably a good place for us to go, right? You, you've had to come in and, you know, build a brand and to, to, to be in business for 13 years. That means you have to be, you know, good at like mm-hmm. building customers, retaining customers, etc. How do you approach selling your services? That's a, an interesting debate that we've been having at the office. Um, in my whole delegation and devolving responsibility... I always tell people, I did a, and this is a very good, a good anecdote. Years ago, when I came back to Trinidad, I had a master's in marketing and I was ready for the world. Right. And I did a profiles test. And a profiles test is one of those tests that you do to kind of get your psychographic yep. baseline and whatnot. And it told me that I'm a salesman. So you just yeah, wait, went to university, you just <laughs> right. did your master's, and all of a sudden you're going off. And in my mind, sales? Yeah. As the best, so I was, I was, I was angered by it. I was taken aback. Right. I was insulted, and I said, "Well, hold on, I'm not a salesman." Fast forward 15 years later, that's what I am for Lucent, yeah. Lucent salesman. And what I would always say is that selling is not what we do. I don't. I, I, that's almost like a curse word in Lucent. We don't sell. What we do is we build relationships. What we do is we hold your hand. What we do is long after the the the, the, the business part, of the transaction go on. We have a relationship. And I'll explain what I mean. I have one of my clients when we first started, just just new in the industry, and we had built such a warm relationship um, in in, in, in two years we had worked together on on a particular project. And then her father had passed. I was one of the first persons she had called when her father had passed because she felt comfortable enough to talk to to me about it. And that was a real powerful thing for me. Yeah, that was very powerful. Because 
I really um, wasn't expecting it, but I realized the importance of that interaction with her mm-hmm. and how she valued that. And I always use that as a template when I, like, even when we are training staff internally, that it's not about the business. The business will always come, but people will always remember how you make them feel. And if you make them feel good, and if you make them feel valued, they'll always come back. Right. And that's what I think we've been very good at. Yeah. I always remember that you jumped out of Trinidad and were able to build clientele outside of Trinidad much earlier, much earlier than we we did, mm-hmm. you know, as an as an ad agency. Um you just, I think, just got on the plane and just, just went. Yeah, right? that, well, that's like, the, well, that's the exciting times. Yeah, no kids. Yeah, you yeah. roll up your sleeves. You just go. Um, you just up and you go. You shower and you're in the airport at four in the morning. Yeah. Well, in my former job, um, I was a regional marketing manager for the auditing firm for a company called Simtai Consulting out of Jamaica. Right. And it required me to move around the Caribbean a lot to meet clients. So. I think I had an advantage in that regard because I already had been out there and I kind of had a sense of the markets, albeit from an auditing perspective. When Lucent started, as a matter of fact, because we felt that the established firms had a good foothold here, that was our thing, that's my thinking, which I was dead wrong. We, we said, listen, let's start outside first. Right. But then we said, well, hold on. When we went outside, nobody knew the name Lucent. Yeah. So I had that real strange scenario you, where... You had to like walk in and sort of say, hey, here I am. And exactly. Bill and Keith. this is a company from Trinidad and right. that, all that Trinidad, right. yeah, Bravado, exactly. and Eagle that we sometimes rivalries, have. Regional rivalries and everything. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So when I walked in, I said, well, hold on. That strategy didn't work. Right. So I'm saying, when I looked at the brands in the islands, all of them originated from Trinidad, or at least 80, 80 to 90% of them, be it the financial institutions, be it the, be it the FMCG environment, the retail, their base or their head office was Trinidad. So I'm saying, let's rethink that. And I came back to Trinidad, entertained the Trinidad market. So when we got working here, it spilled over into the Caribbean. Right. So we organically grew through work from Trinidad, and that spread our names of the islands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... When that went up the islands, when, so for example, in Barbados, we do quite a lot of work in Barbados right now. Right. And what you would find is that that relationship in Barbados was very much with them, with them out. So that person said, hey, these guys in Trinidad did a good job on this project. And just kind of spread around on that work. And then it went to Grenada. Right. Then it went to, and that's how we grew organically um, outside of it. What I also did is tapped into some of my former contacts. And then in some instances where I didn't have that level of contact, I was, I was, rent a hotel room for a day and really pitch the whole concept of loose and the philosophy what you're trying to do um i think and and i think that worked right because how many people would you get to show up when you do when you do that how oh, you that just, we started off with pitching to 10 and 15 people and three would show up right <laughs> but then three would show up and you spend all our money you have food and all kind of thing and right. then it didn't work out and then from that three one person might a bit or mm-hmm. express further interest right so it was that type of um th- those type of activities it required lots of travel in the initial stages so um, I would be in the airport four o'clock in the morning, back on the last flight at eleven o'clock in right, the night. Right, right. Really like a road warrior, and um, so that whole thing about being a salesman was quite was quite apt. Yeah, because you, you were you were telling me that you you would you would um, build network with in some interesting ways on yeah. the ground with people. Correct. So that my work is really being able to get persons to fill out a survey or right. to get persons to attend a focus group. And you have to remember, in 2007, you didn't have Facebook at the level that it was now and you didn't have social media playing the role that it plays now. So you really had to form some real strong contacts with people who knew people. So that would be the taxi driver who drove you from the airport. That would be the the the, the, the bus the, the, the bus boy at the hotel. That would be a waiter at the restaurant. Yeah. So people who were on the ground 
And those were, those that, that that was gold for us in terms of forming some of the relationships we formed because we were able to get into the market faster. And I think our clients were quite impressed by that because some of the other agencies or um, organizations that they use didn't have that contact. And that's what we did very well. So we built that that contact from the ground level. And I'm actually in the process of going doing another wave of that um, 10 years on, but a slightly different type of person we're looking for this round. So looking for the influencers. Right. So... In each of those markets, we're going to try to pull together the influencers, have huddles with them, incentivize them in some way, and really get them to talk about the brand, but more importantly, get us access to the people who we need to get access to across their platforms. So from a growth and expansion standpoint, where, where are you trying to go? What are you trying to do next? Very interesting. Um, well, first and foremost, I want to be the undisputed number one market research firm in the Caribbean right. as a starting point. What I would say is that we're very well on the way. Um, some, if we talk in some corners, we are there. Other corners, they'll say, hmm, top two, top three. Um, I want to be undisputed. And the more important part for me and the next phase that I'm seeing myself going back into is educating persons about market research. And this is not a Lucent thing. This is a Ramon thing to give back. Because oftentimes, um, people come into the industry or people come and they don't understand how big this industry of market right. research is right. and the importance that it plays. Um, gone is the day of just simply gut instinct or anecdotal data or a partner say this and, and that, that forms your whole opinion around a campaign right. and really ge- generating methodologies that give people really deep insights. And so the next five years, um, uh, well, uh, uh, one of the biggest things for us is we're actually going to buy our own building right? and really develop that sort of environment that people will not expect of a Caribbean company. So something that you'd have seen in North America, or if you're like yourself out there in Silicon Valley, and guys coming to guys sitting down on a, on, on the outside and yeah. he, he programming a survey on right on the, uh, drinking a coffee on the right. outside, um, those types of things. Um, I've always been an open mindset, mind, have open mentality, and that is where I want the organization to go. I want to, I don't want research to look like research, mm-hmm. and that's my mm-hmm. biggest concern. I don't want it to look like research. So why why is um why is it important for you to to own your building? I mean, we we you know same thing. We've moved um, from where we were to, to a different place, and kind of like okay, cool. You know, in in, in X time, we want to, to yeah. own our own mm-hmm. own our own space. But what what was kind of driving you to to do that? Well, when we own our own space, it, I get to chart my own destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you're not a land, you're not a tenant. Yeah. But more importantly, it helps me to create a space where we could educate the next level of market researcher. When yes. I spoke to Clayton yesterday, it actually carried me on a particular path of thinking. How long do I have in Lucent again? Right. And I always, one of the things I told him is that my ideal dream, being a simple boy from Kirep, yeah. is to own a massive piece of land in Manzanilla right. and just sit down and watch my fig grow, uh-huh. watch my, <laughs> the, the horse and them run around, right. watch the pigs and them, yeah, rear, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that is my thing. I want to give. I want to go back to the earth and I really use use some of the skills that I have in research mm-hmm. and see if I could apply it there. Right. So, if I were to put a time That's span cool. on it, probably about fifteen to twenty years. Yeah, yeah. So, why I'm saying that is that for that to happen, and I have my own space, I could create the next generation. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of training sessions that I can train the next generation of researchers so that'll carry the lucent name to the next level. Mm-hmm. I'll carry it up to a point, right. but I have other interests. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of which research is just one very big one right. at this point in my life. Right. The thing about, you know, future vision and stuff, do you kind of go about, like, do you document it? Do you have, like, a, a written down plan? Okay, this is, what, you know, this is what we need to do. We need to be here. We need to be there. How do you do that? It's kind of in your, it's within your brain. Well, 
a combination. Mm-hmm. When Lucent first started in 2007, we had a business plan. Right. Of course, that's what you needed to go to the banks yeah. and do everything and to satisfy right. um, the corporate. Right. The next time a business plan was done was 2015. Mm-hmm. And that was part of me, as I said, delegating and giving off. When I said, hey, I have to document certain things yeah. so people understand. What we're into doing now is a lot of videos. I do a lot of videos that we have internally so people get the message and the philosophy because it changes so much right. and so quickly. Yeah. I don't want to document something and spend six months trying right. to get it, something it out change and, and I change, it change, it change a month later. Right. So what I try to do is I try to have some level of documentation in terms of how I envision the company to run, but I still leave that room for fluidity. Mm-hmm. We could change at the, at the drop of a pin. Right. And that is the, those are the kind of things that I believe in in terms of planning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the most ideal, um, but with the videos, what I find now is that we play it ever so often and I can replay it and see where I need to adjust. Right. And you always and have like a little history or less of what you were thinking at a particular point in time correct. too. So what it helps me now is it helps me recalibrate my conversation with staff, um, recalibrate my conversation with clients so that it's always a constant reminder. But to say I sit down and we have these 10 things on a vision board going now, it's good to have. Yeah. Look at me wrong. But I often believe the, the the real innovation comes from people not fixated on a particular one set of goals, mm-hmm. but being having the, the, the freedom to come with an idea. So some of the things that we do and do, son, I implement almost immediately. It doesn't have to go through a red tape. Yeah. It's a good idea. Let's right. run with it. Do I, do it. I don't yeah, know if it'll be successful, right. but I get a sense that it'll work because I know the industry too. Mm-hmm. So we try to build that kind of fluidity alongside some of the structures that we put in the place. But I would say Lucent is probably 70% fluid, 30% structured. Right. I want to talk about <clears> like <throat> marketing and branding, right? Sure. I mean, we're, we're, we're an ad agency and, and all about integrated marketing. And, you know, so we think a lot about brands, see a lot of brands. And you've done some interesting things. Um, you know, I know you, you, you showed me when you redid your space, for right. example, right? Bright colors everywhere. Right. And so what was what were you thinking when you were trying to do that? Well, it's exactly that. Many times clients come to our offices. It's in the heart of Tunapuna. It's actually the sign for welcome to Tunapuna is five meters off of where Lucent is. Right. So you don't get more heart of Tunapuna than that. Yeah. But the first thing they saw when they woke up says is that you would never expect this type of right. office to be in Tunapuna. Mm-hmm. And that is the mentality that I've always wanted. So when clients say that from an right. from the that entry point, take. Right. correct. Yeah. I knew that we have won already because they are in totally impressed. Research is often seen as black and white. Research is often seen as just numbers, yeah. metrics, right. margin of confidence, um, interval levels, margin of error. Um, and people don't see it as a fun area. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do is introduce fun to research. And when I brought in our interior designers to come and look at the place, I wanted somebody who had no idea, no clue of research, but new design. And I communicated that to her, and I think we achieved it in terms of the use of color. Um, it can't be loosened and shining light, and it's just white light. Right. It's all shades and colors that we shine. Right. Um, and then also, I wanted somebody, I wanted them to really capture the essence of what we want. So, for example, those little mini arcade games, I bring them into the waiting room. Okay. Because people bring their kids right. to a session, and the kids, they, they, need, yeah, to, they need something to do. Yeah. Correct, they need to be occupied. Yeah. So, what we could conceptualize can happen at Lucent. Mm-hmm. There's imagination is, is is your imagination is about the there's not even a, 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 a delimiter right for what could happen at our space. Yeah, I think you know as we kind of went through our transition from you know Kubernetes to Kubernetes synapse and and we were you know you had to think a lot about 
who you are, what your brand promises. And I always say that, you know, a, a, a good brand tells you who you are, but also tells you who you're not. And it tells Correct. you who you're for in terms of customers and who you're not for. So mm-hmm. who are you for and who are you not for from a customer standpoint? I am for the customer that accepts flexibility. I am for the customer who, in the middle of a focus group, will walk out the room and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. Let's make these five changes and let's go with that instead because I feel they get more value from the client. I am for the customer who trusts me and trusts that I'll get you the insights that you need to make decisions for your organization. That is the type of customer that tends to work very well with Lucent. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that customers who don't have that sort of mindset and very rigid and structured don't work, but they see nine or ten times, they tend to see the value of what we do when we make little pointed suggestions. Yeah. And we, let's improve this. So let's do that. Right. Or because this is a, a new market for you, let's try it this way. I think that it always evolves. So we have had customers who started off in that kind of rigid mindset and saw the beauty of some of the methodologies that we do and they changed. Right. And then we have those who are open and say, Ramon, I trust you. Let's do it. Um, I know I hear about you. I haven't worked yet. Just do it. And they, have, they haven't been um, they haven't been disappointed. Yeah. So it's really a combination of finding that, that customer who understands the need to to achieve the objective that they need, but at the same time, trust Lucent to help you deliver it. Right. That's the ideal customer for yeah. us. Okay, cool. And then, I mean, of, of course, you know, in service-based world, you're going to have had many customers, good ones, ones that maybe aren't so good. Now, do you have some things that you're like, you know what, if I, if I hear these things, these warning flags or these kinds of things, you know what, that, that's probably not the right type of customer for me at the at the sales stage? Yeah. Um. Certainly budgets. What people sometimes tend to real, don't realize is that research is a very expensive thing. Yeah. A lot of the ventures that we get into, so for example, even that example of the islands I was telling you about, to get to that taxi driver, it's a lot of coaxing. It's a lot of, you have to pay incentives for him to actually feel he need to, it has to be worth his while. Right. And it's a very, very expensive thing, especially out of the islands. What people tend to not realize is, for example, we peg the TT rates that we charge we could charge her because we contain the expense. We could, we could contain the project, and we know where we could um we could massage if mm-hmm. it is a, if if budget constraint is a ch- is a challenge. Sometimes when you have affiliates out there, you don't have that opportunity because they are on fixed margins. Um, we have a, an agency ratio to, to manage, and then the client still has the expectation. Right. So they tend to find is that we have to find that sweet spot. Um. So the clients that tend to talk about budgets are the ones that we need. I don't necessarily say we lose, but are the ones that we need to kind of educate a bit more in terms of what are, what really goes into it. Because as I also mentioned, some people come into the mix not understanding what research is yeah. and thinking a focus group is just sitting around a table. Right. Or survey is just, let's pull that man off the street and, yeah. and you ask right. him a question. Right, right. So um, that is, that has, the, and, and the clients who don't want to have that conversation are the ones obviously that won't work with Lucent mm-hmm. um, simply because they don't feel, they do not take any time to understand what goes into the whole research process. Right. Um, as you've kind of, as you said, you you know you've you've been in the business for thirteen years. You've you know built a brand. Now you 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 have this ambition to be the undisputed leader um, in market research in the whole in the whole region. What other things uh, are you doing in the area of marketing? How how else are you going beyond kind of like word of mouth and pass along to 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 get that knowledge and awareness out there? Sure. So one of the things, one of the innovations we have done is loose and chat. Hmm. Um, it's something that persons would have seen. 
um, when you go to FETS or Carnival, for example. And that's part of our brand positioning um, strategies. Um, we chose some of the FETS where we think our A, our clients are, right. and then B, where the demographic really matches the type of person who will want to work with Lucent. And we formed some strong partnerships with both our past school, St. Mary's, and Presentation College. And of course, one or two other institutions where we mm-hmm. feel the reach is out there. So it's not necessarily... So in terms of our word of mouth, after for St. Mary's Fed, for example, as inundated with WhatsApp, say, right. hey, Lucent looks so good. Yeah. Hey, Ramon, come right. to a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't realize you guys did this kind of thing. And I've seen the benefit of, of that subtle sort of sophisticated branding as opposed to putting up posters and saying, look me, mm-hmm. we do this and mm-hmm. we do that. So we, we do a combination. We do some of that. Eh? Right. But my mantra is not about push. But it's really creating the environment where people can't resist coming to a Lucent brand. Yeah, yeah. So, so we don't really do the push and sort of aggressive yeah. sort of thing in your face. Yeah. But we infer it by the type of work that we do. Well, the thing, the thing you said that, you know, I mean, it, it, it resonates with me because, you know, I, I, one of the most impactful learning things that I did was going to, starting to go to the HubSpot inbound conference in 2014. I went for three years in a row um, and that kind of, put me into inbound marketing and the philosophies behind inbound marketing and that, you know, people are always looking for information at different stages. And um, in today's world, you're like inundated with ads and messages. Mm-hmm. So when you say like, yeah, you're, you're not into push because, you know, push marketing can work to up to a certain mm-hmm. extent, but, you know, but then, it, you know, it kind of falls flat eventually. So, so education and being helpful becomes more important. And mm-hmm. you talked about that as well earlier on when you said, hey, I want to, you know, I want to educate. And you talked about it partially in giving back, but partially in terms of helping customers understand mm-hmm. what it is. So, so you've, what are the things that you're doing to kind of like push information about market research out there to just kind of get people educated. So one of the things we've been doing in the past two years is that I train corporate teams okay. and in, in the basics of market research yeah. so that whether you're working with Lucent or not, you have the knowledge you that helps you make the right decisions. Right. So um, we do once a quarter, we do training sessions, uh, we do crop corporate teams and then I do some in-house sessions also where persons come to my office and that's worked well mm-hmm. because the uptake now, and I mean, nothing gratifies me more than I'm in movie talk with my kids and somebody runs, hey, I did a focus group right, and right. Like, very excited. Yeah, yeah. That kind of passion is what, is what, is what really spurs me on mm-hmm. and that's the continuation of our of our education philosophy so i have a colleague who comes in and she does project management as i mentioned right I have a co- so it's really about educating clients and the gaps that they have not necessarily research alone but of course because that's our 40 we do it majority but really about creating an environment where they could challenge and ask questions mm-hmm. so don't just accept what the next person comes in the room and says right but you put them in a position of education, and hence you get you get the you have the ability to get better data from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, switching tax a little bit on the on the family life side, right? Sure. Um, you know, we both have families, young kids. Um, you know, how do you how do you balance how do you balance the two things? Ooh. Well, that's something I don't think I have mastered just yet. Right. As a matter of fact, this morning my daughter has lessons. Yeah. They both have tap dance. Right. My wife has swimming. So, I had to sort of move around yeah. things, kind of make things happen, and then come down to Port of Spain. Right. Um, that's always a very central part. Now, that's one of the parts that I was also mentioning that when I started to delegate stuff, is when my kids started to get bigger and they needed daddy around. Mm-hmm. So, I make it as a rule to drop and pick up my kids every single morning. Right. So, they have that contact time. We talk, we interact. 
I hear what's 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 bugging them. Sometimes they tell me, or they'll wait until they talk to mommy mm-hmm, later. Mm-hmm. But I have a lot of face time with my kids, and I really pride myself on that yeah. because I've stepped back from Lucerne and even f- opportunities because I don't want to miss out on certain milestones. Yeah. And having grown up in a single parent household, I understand the role of right. yeah, having a, f- a father figure. So it's very important yeah. to make sure that they don't have a similar experience. Not that right. mine was bad, by yeah. the way. Yeah, sure. Simply because I had lots of father figures right. and right. mentors right. in the area, yeah. but I didn't have daddy home. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that I want my kids to never see that they don't have. Mm-hmm. So that we, I mean, it's always an outing. So that's driving from school. We stop in the park and we play. Right. And we and we and we have a snow cone and or I would carry them to ride. So those are very central things to me. But as they're getting older, I also need see the need to reclaim some of my time mm-hmm. because I mean I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. And health, health yeah. wise. I yeah. mean, as an entrepreneur, we take on a lot of stresses That's sometimes right. that the average person takes on. So just recently I um I got a pain in my neck and mm-hmm. uh, my neck was stiff I get up in the morning and I realized hey I'm not also I was not twenty five anymore. Right, right. So I have to pay a lot more attention to diet and exercise and those things. But um by and large, um I really try to do things with the kids. And I mean obviously as entrepreneurs I could set my own time. Yeah, exactly. So you so, can kinda build that flexibility right. into So when they're done at nights, then right. I I might do an next hour yeah, or two. But yeah. By and large, they had yeah. enough of that if they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no, no. Like, my, my, my mornings are the same thing you said, you know, like, you know, make breakfast, help them get to school, get out to school, and then then start doing Caribbean calls, and then, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, switch to, to, to U.S. workday, you know, a lot of times. And, yeah, but you have to, like, find ways to, 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 to balance, mm-hmm, you know, to balance. Mm-hmm. And it's good for the mental, too. Of course. Because there's times when you get stressed, like, you know what, in uh in the work life and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. kind of to the family and and, mm-hmm. and getting kind of get out of that. Um you 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 do an interesting thing. You you track net promoter scores f- for your own customers Correct. as yeah, well, yeah. right? Um so how long have you been doing doing that? That was in the last four years. Okay. So we have an end of year client survey. Right. And that's one of the big things that we've been tracking since two thousand and twenty twenty now, mm-hmm. but twenty seventeen right. twenty seventeen. Right. And it's really heartening to see it grow over that period. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. As a matter of fact, it started off quite high. It was yeah. a net promoter score of about 8 point right. something. Right. To an all-time high of almost 9.4, 9.5 last right. year. Right. Which is very heartening to me because mm-hmm. in that interim period, we also had some little difficulties. Yeah. We had some really challenging projects that, I mean, just stress the hell out of us. Mm-hmm. And... To see that clients recognize our willing to go the next dist- going the distance and the client who actually did it almost give us nine and nine point eight something. Right. Right. I'm not gonna that's give you point two, right. always have yeah, room for yeah. improvement Ramon. <laughs> but that's a real testament to what we deliver. Right. And I mean, it's really to continue. How do we improve that? How do we how do we continue to provide that level of of of, of excellence over a sustained period? Mm-hmm. So that is really where I'm trying to get the officers now to focus on. Right. We we are here, but I'm never satisfied. So I'm always grumpy in January. They say I'm only a, it was moody in January. And I say right. yeah, it's good reason. I'm not happy. I, I don't feel uncomfortable because 2019 is gone and 2020 is new possibilities. Right. And I get very agitated yeah. in January, but by right. February I kind of cool down right. because I never accept from the year before those successes. As far, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's, 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 that's gone. Right. And it goes back to cricket. Yeah. You make a hundred, two hundred in innings. And then the very next thing, you could out for duck. Yeah. And that's how I see our timeline. So 2020 is a new start. All that happened before was great. I pat myself on the back for that one day. I drink a beer, we celebrate. And then on to the next. Let's look at 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not comfortable. Yeah. That was nice. But and this is like literally a week later. So 
that is what I think spurs us on to excellence and to always be better and to do better. Great. Um, in 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 a nutshell. That was Ramon Gregorio, founder and managing director of Lucent Research, the company that's helping businesses make smarter, more informed decisions. If you'd like to be the first to know when the next episode of Uptick drops, please subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform. And don't forget, share it with a friend. On behalf of Korean Ideas Synapse, this is Chike Farrell signing off. And remember, keep on ticking up.